As training business owners, we're in the people business first and foremost, right? So what are the golden rules of getting on with people? How can we have better and more rewarding relationships with the people who pay for our training products and services, our colleagues, our stakeholders? Well, that's what today's guest, Dave Kirpin, New York Times bestselling author of The Art of People, 11 Simple Skills That Will Get You Everything You Want, is going to answer today here on the podcast. This is episode 47. It's great to have you here. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. As I said before the music, it's wonderful to have you here. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes. I'm the host of the podcast, which goes out every single Thursday for you and I, for people in the training business world, training business owners, people who come to the show to learn from great guests and experts who want to share their entrepreneurial journey with you to help you with yours. So the premise of the show is to help you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Today's guest is Dave Kirpin, who is chairman of Likeable Media, founder and CEO of Likeable Local, a keynote speaker, advisory board member, and an author. And it's that last one that we're going to focus on this morning. Dave's book is The Art of People, 11 Simple Skills That Will Get You Everything You Want. And as I said in the episode today, in speaking with Dave, I picked up a copy of this in the Netherlands when I was visiting my sister back in February of this year, 2019. And Dave alludes to the fact that for some reason, his book, which is written effectively by an American author, is for some reason extremely popular, in fact, more so in the in the EU, in, in Europe, than is the case in the US. Anyway, that's all part of a fascinating story today with Dave, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Dave is joining us live from New York this morning, so let's say hi. Hi, Dave, and welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I read your book and your story of how you met your wife, Carrie, uh, who's now CEO of Likeable Media, and how you got married in 2006 in front of 7,000 baseball fans. And your wedding was sponsored by uh, 1,000, or was it 1,800 flowers? Uh, Diageo even uh, made a drink, and there was coverage on CBS. What was that like, that, that experience? And why'd you do it? It was amazing. Um, I am a huge baseball fan, and I wanted a, a big wedding too. I'm, I tend to be a bit of a public type person. And my wife had been married before and it had a more traditional New York wedding, which, which basically means she spent a lot of money on it. She <laughs> wasn't really up for doing that again. And we both had a sales and marketing background. So we had the idea to partner with a, a baseball team and create a promotion around our wedding. Mm. So we did okay. just that. We pitched the Brooklyn Cyclones which is a, an affiliate of the New York Mets, uh, of which I am a big fan. And I remember very clearly the GM said, this is the craziest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> it's going to work. <laughs> he goes, but there's something about you two. I actually think it actually might work. I'm going to give you a shot. 
And we said, awesome, it will work. And, and lo and behold, it did. We were very, very fortunate. We, we, we really, to say I, I won the lottery it would not be an understatement because, mm. of course, we had some of the best results you could dream of in terms of every television network in the country being there and bloggers and uh, radio. And it was, it was a media you know, extravaganza. But of course I hit the lottery as well in marrying, you know, the woman of my dreams who is my business partner as well. And yeah, it was just enormous success. Mm. And, um, I, I thank my lucky stars and pinch myself every day that, <laughs> I, that, uh, we, we went through that and, and, uh, helped to shape really, you know, the rest of my life. So it's fair to say you're no ordinary guy. Where does the Dave Kirpin success story start? Well, um, fun question. And, you know, like any success story, I think it starts with challenge. And growing up, I did have some challenges. Um, my, my father has bipolar disorder. And he, so he was often uh, beginning at the age of 12 for me. He got pretty sick and was in and out of hospitals um, pretty much for the next 20 years. So I learned at a very young age that in order to be successful, I had to do stuff on my own and I had to figure stuff out on my own and be very independent. And I started working when I was 14 and um, earned, a, earned myself a full college scholarship. And then while I was in college, got a job. I think it's in, I don't know if it's an art of people, but I got a job working at the ballpark um, up in Boston and ended up, I, I had a job selling stuff up and down the aisles. And what a lot of people don't know is that those jobs, ballpark vendors, they call them, they're only paid, you're only paid based on how much you sell and, right. along with tips. And so, and it's a seniority based system. So you have to work for years to sell like the beer or the hot dogs, the, the popular <laughs> product. You know, so my, my first, you know, my first day on the job, I had the worst selling product in the building and I only sold six boxes and, you know, it was fun to be at the ballpark, but I was, I wanted to make a living. I, I wanted to support myself, put myself through school. And so I came back the second day, much more determined to figure out how to sell more, more product. And I ended up doing a shtick, a song. I, it's funny, that was the first thing I thought of when you said I'm, I'm not ordinary because I did a shtick singing and dancing and juggling and, um, I was able to go from selling six boxes and getting paid the legal minimum of $15 to by the time I was done selling hundreds of boxes and getting paid, you know, upwards of a thousand dollars a night for, wow. you know, for a college kid. And so it was really, um, it was great. And it taught me just how you can take any job or project or assignment and really turn it into something much bigger than than um, than other others would do. And 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 to use the, the word that you just used, you can take anything ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. If you, I mean, this is su super cliche, but if you add that extra, right? If you if you put your own flair, if you are driven and creative and out of the box, and so, um, so I think yeah. Ever since then, I've 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 had that entrepreneurial driven sort of persistent spirit hmm. you must have because you're chairman of likable media uh founder and ceo of likable local 
tell us whom your businesses serve and, and why you started them. Sure, and actually, um, since your since your since your bio, I have a third company that I started. So I'll I'll tell you a little bit about uh, that too. So like you. like yeah. so, so I we left off at my wedding, and we um, the wedding was a big success. And when we started our our first business, it was literally because our wedding vendor said this was awesome. What are you guys going to do next? And we couldn't get married again, so we started that <laughs> company. And that company started off in the experiential marketing, word of mouth marketing space. But that was 2007, and shortly after we launched, Facebook opened up beyond students to to uh, open its platform to to everyone. And yeah. we fortunately saw very early that that was going to be a game changer in in the marketing world. And we pivoted to focus less on offline word of mouth and more on online word of mouth and social media. And so we were one of the first pure play social media agencies and. Um, have grown to about 60 people now working to uh, help big brands like uh, Capital One, which is a bank here in the States, uh, Ahold International, which is based in the Netherlands, actually, and, and operates a number of, of uh, supermarket chains here in the, in the States and, and others, um, doing their content and social media advertising and marketing. Um, six years ago, I I grew impatient with helping only big businesses. And we were fortunate to have built a, a very strong inbound marketing brand. So we had we had hundreds, if not thousands of inquiries from small businesses that were curious about whether we could help them. But the agency model is such that we couldn't really help them. The economics don't work. They couldn't afford us. We could, we'd charge too much. It couldn't work. So I launched at that point, Likeable Local, which is a uh, software as a service company that that supports small businesses so the idea was what can we what can we dilute that businesses are currently paying us twenty thousand dollars a month for and give small businesses and agencies that support small businesses for two hundred dollars a month um, and that business uh, took off we raised some money to help scale it and we currently work with thousands of small businesses um, uh, I, I I like starting stuff. And overseeing stuff, I'm not as good at actually running the day to day. So I'm really fortunate that my wife runs Likeable uh, Media. That's Carrie, right? Carrie and my longtime friend, CTO Hugh Morgan Besser runs Likeable Local. Um, And then I just recently started my third business. It's called Apprentice. And the idea, the story behind that was that, you know, in my first two businesses, I was very fortunate to have college students working for me. And what I would do was they'd start working for me remotely and then eventually they'd graduate and come work for me full time. And I, by then I had molded them and taught them and mentored them. And really they were like the perfect employee. And so they went on, you know, I've had four or five that have gone on to co-author books with me and help run divisions of, of, of our companies and just contribute immensely. And so my latest um, college student EA, Rob, he worked for me for two years while he was in school. And then he came to me six months ago and said, Dave, you know, You've taught me a lot, like probably more than I've learned in three years of college. And I know I've done a lot of important, valuable work for you, too. You know, I helped I co-authored the third edition of Likeable Social Media, your, your book. And, you know, I've run a, I ran a million dollar project for you and I, I've helped you out a lot. Right. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, why don't we do this for more companies? Why don't we, you know, help create more value this way? And I thought the idea was brilliant. So Rob went from being my college student. Uh, EA, 
my, he went from being my college student assistant to being my 50-50 business partner on this latest venture. And so it's called Apprentice. And the idea is to connect entrepreneurs and business leaders with college students um, who work for them remotely while they're in school. Mm. And we, we, we act as, you know, sort of like the HR firm slash recruitment firm that, you know, our, our entrepreneurs pay us and we pay the college students in turn. And mm. we're, we're actually just launching in September. So super excited about that. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So that's not yet live. It's live. I mean, we have a website up. We have a, a minimum right, right. product up at chooseapprentice.com. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, the it's we're just, you know, we're, we're, we'll be in beta for the next six months. Mm. Um, just testing it out and making sure that we, we it, making sure it's as viable as I believe it is. And then um, eventually we'll have a tech platform that will enable the connective tissue between the entrepreneurs and the college students. Okay. Well, you mentioned the word book there and you have an interesting story uh, and you've written several books, a likable business, likable social media. Let's focus on your book, the art of people, which I picked up uh, in February visiting my sister in the Netherlands. Uh, and it was really, it's, I just sat down for about two hours and read the whole thing. And I just thought, wow, this is really bite-sized packaged golden advice and the subtitle of the book is The 11 Simple People Skills That Will Get You Everything You Want. Uh, Barbara Corcoran, who is the star of ABC Shark Tank, said that no matter what level your people skills are today, after reading this book, you'll see a dramatic improvement. Um, and we're going to give five away five signed copies of your book uh, later on in the episode. <laughs> and we'll share details of that uh, later on. But looking at some of the five tips which really resonated with me uh, when I read that for the first time, um, First of all, section one, tip number one, Myers-Briggs means nothing. This means everything. Now, as training business owners, many of us are familiar with the, the MBTI or Myers-Briggs tool, but that's quite a, a kind of a bold thing to say. W why do you believe that, you know, this is true? Sure. So first of all, thank you for reading the book and thanks again for having me on the podcast. And fun fact, the, the, the art of people, it, it indexes highest anywhere in the world in the Netherlands. It, Netherlands is my top selling country in the world. I, 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 you know, I've been to Amsterdam a few times and it's, it's kind of crazy because in the airport there, it's like at every store, it's so, it's so strange to me because, you know, they even have stores that aren't bookstores that somehow have it, which yeah. is quite a, a, an honor and, and very flattering. Um, so, so the, the, I, I argue, first of all, that the fundamental building block to people skills and influencing other mm -hmm. people is understanding yourself. And far too mm -hmm. many people jump in to the working with others before they really truly understand themselves. Now, I'll be the first to say there are lots and lots of tools in your toolkit to better understand yourself. For me, and of course, mm -hmm. Myers-Briggs and DISC, you know, Strength Finders, yeah. there are lots of them and they're, they're wonderful. For me, uh, after taking all of those and finding the Enneagram, I, I will never go back. I mean, for me, the Enneagram is the most useful tool. Um, there is some data that suggests that it is more reliable than some of those other tools. Um, when you take, for instance, the Myers-Briggs um, once and you take it again three to five years later, you are much more likely to have a different outcome than taking the Enneagram you know, once and then again, three to five years later. And the, 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 the biggest knock on the Enneagram is that no one 
it's in the public domain. And because it's in the public domain, it doesn't have the same um, number and vigor of companies that are promoting it, right? So of course, many, many more trainers right. have heard of and used uh, MBTI mm. than, uh, than the Enneagram. That doesn't make it less valuable, useful. And so, you know, I, I dove deep and, you know, I felt madly in love with it. I, I, I use it for myself to, to understand my own motivations and challenges just about every day, if not every day. And we've administered it now to over 350 employees and uh, you know, folks, partners, folks in our, in our network. And, you know, we have a whole, you know, our HR teams literally use it as, you know, we, 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 motivate, pe- we motivate people differently because we understand what their, what their Enneagram type is. And that, that's what Enneagram type really goes to more than anything. It goes to your, 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 your core motivation, what really makes us tick. And you could have a great salesperson that's a one or a great, you know, and there are nine types, of course. So uh, I'm a three. Uh, I could be a great salesperson that's a three. And then a seven could be a great salesperson as well. But it's how you motivate that salesperson, how you, what the carrots that you give them, what you say to them, what you do for them, that's going to be very different depending on their Enneagram type. And we, we, we have found it just, like I said, incredibly useful. Okay, so that's something you administer throughout the, the company. So would that be as a training tool or more of a kind of a understand yourself tool? Uh, well, I think it's both. both. I mean, I think both. <laughs> by managers, certainly by managers understanding their, and their team, their, their individuals, um, Enneagram types, they can much better manage them. So to, to the extent, you know, I, I, I spoke actually in Amsterdam not too long ago at the, um, I keynoted the, the next web conference in Amsterdam. Oh yeah. That's and a big one. Right. At, yeah. It was actually huge. I was, I, it was a great, and they did a wonderful job. I, I highly recommend it to anyone mm. listening. Uh, it's a wonderful conference. The, the person that spoke right after me uh, on the main stage was the COO of Shopify. Um, and as I walked off the stage, because I had talked about the Enneagram in my, in my uh, speech, I walk, as I walked off the stage and he's walking on, he literally goes, love the Enneagram. We use it with all 3,500 of our employees. So here was this, the chief ex- uh, operating officer of Shopify saying that they find it to be a useful tool to the to to the extent of of of, of administering it to thirty five hundred their employees, so that was very validating for me, and I, I think it will continue mm. to to grow as a training tool. Um, I like I said, I have found it mm. just infinitely valuable. And you provide a free copy of this to the back of the book as well. I, I do think. provide a free copy to the back of the book. <laughs> uh, as, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, you, you can get a free copy of the book. You can actually get a free copy. I'll tell you what, you can get a free copy on my website. You don't even have to buy the book. Um, if you want to go to any... I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> no, um, Enneagramfund.com, if you choose to leave it in, is on my website. Right. And uh, yeah. and you can take it. Although it's a little clunky and you want to have a physical copy, so you should get the book anyway. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Don't be ashamed to sell. Okay, so uh, tip number eight from your book, uh, create your own advisory board. You've got uh, people like Nihal Mehta, uh, Peg Jackson, and of course, Mark Roberge, who's an advisor to HubSpot. Um, now, I know you have a media business. I'm talking to people in a, in a training business context, but nonetheless, the lesson holds true. Why do you believe it's important for people to have an advisory board? 
to be successful? Yeah. So that's, that's probably the number, it's probably the number one tip that people inquire um, about. Um, and I think it's super, super valuable. I, I actually think it's valuable, even if you don't have a business of any kind, um, to have people that are, to have an organization that is, that is comprised of people who are there for the sole purpose of helping you. I mean, it's great. And I'm, I'm a self-help junkie, right? So I love coaching. I love therapy. I love all that stuff. What I love most about an advisory board is these are people that I am committed to offering some value, value to, but in exchange, they are committed to literally just getting together around a table four times a year to help me, to help my business, to help me, to, 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 to deal, help me deal with my challenges. And, you know, the older I get, like, like Socrates, the older I get, the more experienced I get, the more I realize how little I know and how many smarter people there are in every possible area. And so why in the world would I do it alone and go it alone when I can get the help of all these amazing people? So, so how would you find them? I mean, how would you go about recruiting people, you know, as a training business owner thinking, how do I find people like this who are willing to give up their time to advise me? Right. So that's, of course, always the next question. And yeah. the, the, the first slash easy answer is if you've done a decent job of building up your network, which I, I write about in other chapters, then it's much easier. But let's say you haven't. Um, okay. You, I, I still would think that you would have, let's say, second degree connections. Let's say you only have 100 connections on LinkedIn. If, even if you only have 100 connections on LinkedIn, chances are that each of them is connected to two to 300 people each. So you're already going to have, let's say 30,000, uh, second degree connections. So now the idea is what, who can you find that is an expert in that second degree connection that can help you areas that you are weakest in. So maybe you're weak in finance. You want finance people. Maybe you're weak in legal. You want lawyers. Maybe you're weak in marketing. You want marketers. Maybe you're weak in operations. You want operators. Um, maybe you want, um, some HR people at big companies that could, you know, potentially hire somebody like you. Um, so it's identifying those people and then finding the, the connection, the first degree connection that you have in between you and them that can help mm -hmm. make that introduction. Um, and then it's making it super easy for the person to introduce most. I operate under the principle that most people are busy or lazy or both. So how can you make it as easy as possible for someone to make an introduction? Exactly. How can you make it as easy yeah. as possible for someone to make an introduction? Um, I, I make introductions all the time for people, but I ask them to send me an email with the name of the person they want to meet and why, and tell me all about them. Even though you know, even though I already know about you, but tell me about it. Tell me about yourself again, so I can just click the forward button and I have to write as little <laughs> as possible. And honestly, okay. people don't think of that, but. It's things that, like that that make it super easy for people to continue to hit me up with intros and with intro requests. Um, and then the last piece is what can you offer that's valuable? So mm. for me, I've been able to offer, you know, cash and or equity in my companies. Um, I always offer a really nice dinner and don't, don't, don't uh, underestimate how valuable that is. People like a nice meal. People like, you know, maybe they wouldn't treat themselves to a, night me a nice meal normally, but when you offer them that, that, that's a nice little addition. And then the last piece that's really valuable, and you just have to know how valuable it is and sell it, is the connection to the other people in the room.
And okay. you know what I'm proudest of is the with the advisory boards that I've set up is people have done business together. They've, they've, they've helped each other. So they're there to help me, but they've ended up at adding lots of value for each other as well. And that's, that's a really nice outcome that people don't think of when they think, well, I can just call up a mentor. I can call up a friend and ask them for help. But that's, it's, it, that's not as valuable for them, at, for, the, for, the, for the mentor, as connecting them with other people in the same room. So, you know, it, it's putting that pitch together. And then, you know, if you do it 10 times with 10 great people through 10 people you know, mm-hmm. hopefully that'll be enough to have three to five people that can be on your advisory board. That was my next question, actually. How many would be an adequate number without being too few or, or too many? So three to five. I say three to five for the first time around. I ended up usually in the seven to 11 space, but that, that can be too many, honestly. So I think, um, I think three to five is good. Okay. The next one I have then uh, from section four, tip 17, the most important question you'll ever ask in a first meeting. Uh, and that intrigues me because people who run training businesses are forever trying to be introduced or referred to people who will buy their training and coaching services and products. So, so what for you is the most important question? So I'll let you explain that. Yeah, one. sure. So I'll, I'll walk you through the quick story. I, I, you know, one of the, uh, it's a good problem to have. So I apologize mm. for complaining about this, but one of the, one of the problems that I do have because being um, both successful and super uh, public right out there mm-hmm. in corporate media is I get solicited pretty much every day. And mm-hmm. um, the, the category of solicitation that I get the most is finance guys that want a piece of my money and real estate guys that want to help me move offices as we grow companies, etc. And, you know, they're usually crappy pitches and I basically either blow them off or don't even respond. But I got this pitch one day from a finance guy, financial planner, and he, he reaches out via email and he says, you know, Dave, I'd love 15 minutes of your time. And I promise I will not sell you at all. And I just have a mm-hmm. question for you, he said. So he piqued my curiosity. I said, you know what? Fine. I'll give you 15 minutes of my time. Come on in. So it comes in 15 minutes and I'm dying to know what, what's this one question? What's he going to ask me? And he says, um, well, you know, he says, first, just let's do a quick introduction. So I tell him a little bit about myself and um, what I'm up to. And he says, all right. So I'm like, all right, what's your question already? And he said, um, my question is, how can I help you? And so that's the question that I talk about in the book. And it, it's a little bit cliche. So the danger is uh, that I don't want people to think, it, it, to be very clear, this is not how can I help you with what products and services do I have to help you with? This is not for a trainer. How can I help you in, in terms of what um, training products can I, can, I, can, I, can I sell you? This is in your life and business and wherever you are today, how can I help you for free with no strings attached? Okay. And I thought that was so wonderful and refreshing. And I said, you know what? I, I'll give you a shot. I'm raising money for my, my, my second company now, like a local. And you can help me by introducing me to any venture capitalists. And he said, great. I know some VCs. I will introduce you. So I said, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I said, you have like four minutes left here. Well, (laughs) give me, give me your sales pitch. Like walk me through, you know, how I can hire you. And he said, absolutely not. I said, I would not do that. And I will not do that. I said, all right, you sure? He said, yeah, I'm sure. So we walk away 
And I'm, I'm excited because he only took 11 of the 15 minutes and I got four minutes to spare back, back, back to, back to work. And he, um, did introduce me to a VC. They ended up not investing in us, but fine. But I, I could tell that, you know, he was, he, he couldn't make that happen, but the least he could do was make the introduction and he did. And six months later, I, I had, you know, a chunk of change that I wanted to invest. And I called them up and I said, you know, I know you're a financial planner. I don't really know much else, but I know that you didn't, you know, you were there to help me and not sell me. And I'm, 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 I'm here to tell you, I got some cash for you and um, let's, let's put it to work. And um, he became, uh, I became his client and that was probably, I don't know, four or five years ago. And I'll, I'll, I'll update the audience live that, uh, let's see just how recent it is. 1.14 PM, three hours ago. You know, we put mm-hmm. away a good chunk of money every single month with him now. And, and so it's August, really? it's August uh, 1st as we speak. And he, he, he texted, uh, hey, same fund or different fund. And I, I wrote same fund. He wrote, sounds good. There are several positive signs for the economy and the markets right now. And lo and behold, that money just gets debited from my account. And he's, he's grown his business with me pr- quite a bit. And I've also referred a bunch of people to him. So you know, he's earned a quite a bit of money. I don't know how much because I don't know exactly how much he makes commission, but he's done very well. And all of that was because he didn't try to sell me at all in that beginning conversation. He was truly there to authentically help me. And so the lesson learned for anyone listening is just because you have a training business doesn't mean that you need to go in and sell your training. There are likely many ways that you can help that prospect at the other end of the phone, at the other end of the table, etc. And if you can think about what some of those ways are and go in with an attitude of sincere desire to help versus sell, it goes a very, very long way on in building long-term relationships with folks. Okay. So on that note, apart from that, uh, that anecdote, as a CEO, training is an investment and I'm sure you see that uh, in your people. Um, how would a training business owner successfully pitch you? What would work? What would not work aside from the the lovely uh, approach you just outlined there. Yeah, um, great question. Um, I'm just, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling. <laughs> I'm, 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 am I setting? How many pitches will I get in the next uh, sixty days? But um, I think, I think, mm. ultimately, um, for me, uh, even as we've been able to grow our companies, I I keep a very entrepreneurial mindset, and so okay. The thing about training, and I, I, I actually invest a ton in training and culture, a ton. But even as I do, I'm always still thinking about the ROI. And so for me, when I want to be, when I, I want to be pitched, I want to see as direct a correlation as possible between my investment and my outcome. And maybe that's increased sales performance, or maybe it's decreased uh, increased retention of employees. I, I, you know, there are obviously a bunch of different outcomes, but yeah. I think the biggest mistake that folks make when, when pitching me is not tying uh, the, my investment uh, into a, a business outcome. And I think it's really important. Okay, listen, Dave, I'm conscious of your time. Before we go, where can listeners find out more about you? Uh, and I'll obviously have some uh, links to give them in the show notes. Yeah, well, the guy that got married at, at a baseball <laughs> game and, ha- and, and has built two social media businesses, 
is fairly easy to get a hold of. But I would say, <laughs> you, know, you look up my name, Dave Kirpin. Yep. I'm on. Um, sure. As long as you spell right, right you, you really can't miss me. I'm on. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on. Uh, 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 Instagram, online, every social network imaginable. I would hope so. I would hope so. Exactly. You can even the uh, you know, um, I, I I do office hours. So if you want to pitch me, um, and or you want some free mentoring and coaching from me, I actually do office hours every Thursday afternoon, and uh, you can go to scheduledave.com to set up that time. In fact, I think wow, probably set up this podcast through that. So um, so I I, I keep that door open for anyone that wants uh to have a little bit of time with me and um and of course that's very generous of you of course all my books are available on amazon and um <laughs> bookstores everywhere especially in europe you know the the, the europeans have, have been very kind to uh to my books so i i, I do appreciate that yeah well, with that in mind, thank you so much for being on the show this evening, Dave. And uh, I'll share all those notes in the notes to the podcast episode. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being smart and asking good questions. And there we go. Hope you enjoyed that this morning, this episode live from New York with Dave Kirpin. Thank you, Dave, for your time this morning. And thanks to you, our listeners out there in the training business community for listening to this podcast and every other podcast episode, which comes out every single Thursday. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts because this helps us to promote the show and to attract the kinds of guests of the caliber of Dave, whose journey, whose expertise and tips can help you to start, grow and scale your training business, which of course is the goal of this show. You can check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher and on Spotify. As I said, an episode comes out every single Thursday morning, uh, fresh for you. And I look forward to hearing more emails or seeing more emails and hearing more comments from you to guide us in terms of the kinds of content that you feel can serve you and your training business. Next week in episode 48, we have another guest, but you'll just have to wait until then. Until next Thursday, I look forward to your company then. Take care. Have a great week. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.